everybody. This is Terror and Tacos, and I'm Christy. And I'm Michael. And uh, today we are talking about uh, Terror and Tacos, the formative, the formative years. years. Yes. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about movies that we saw when we were very young uh, that, that, that made an impression on us. Yes. And then kind of... Um, I don't know, inspired us to, in later teenage years or our early 20s, to seek out um, uh, other horror movies or other movies in the same genre. Um, simply put, movies that made us feel the same way we did when we we're, watched these movies when, when we were, we were kids, little. Yeah. But before we do that, we're going to talk about formative taco experiences. Yes. Um, Very important. That's super important because this is terror... And, and tacos. tacos. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna let Mike go first and talk about his. So um, mine experience. Um, my formative taco experience that I have recreated today uh, is the uh, the crispy beef taco from Taco Bueno, mm. um, which I have not had in years and is still delicious. I don't I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, uh, Taco Bueno. For those of you who don't know, if we have people who aren't from Texas, Taco Bueno is a fast food taco place <clears throat> um it kind of has like it's a little bit of a legend in mm -hmm. in, in texas yep. people get fired up about bueno but yeah it was uh, i could ride my bike there when i was young and i would go all the time and then when we were in high school we would hang out in the taco bueno parking lot <laughs> i don't know why and it was like a lot like everyone yeah that's where you It'd went be like tuesday night and you'd be like i gotta get the fuck out of my house man <laughs> I'm going to the Taco Bueno parking lot. And yeah, everyone did. And we would just get Taco Bueno and hang out and like occasionally be like, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Um, a clove. A clove, yeah. So uh, Bueno had, has it's sort of my earliest memories of really getting into um, a specific taco. And yeah, crispy beef specifically. So did, I mean, was this kind of like, I like these. I mean, did you ever have tacos at home or or was this I did. I did not. I mean, uh -huh. we would go to... Legitimate Mexican restaurants right. where I would have tacos. Uh, my home, my, when we ate at home, we mainly ate Italian food. Mm -hmm. uh, so early on in you know the northern suburbs, like I was like, yeah, Bueno is that was my idea of a taco, um, and I still love it. But yeah, and then later, obviously, would go to different right. Mexican restaurants and yeah. things like that. But yeah, this is where it, this is where it began for me. Wow, Taco Bueno. Do you know that I've never had Taco Bueno? Really? I, I could have gotten you one. I Although, I mean, I don't know. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. So my... You will probably be <laughs> underwhelmed. No offense to Taco no, Bueno. No, no, no. Um, my formative... You know, I thought about this a lot. Because the thing you have to understand, Michael... Yes? Is that I, you know ostensibly grew up eating tacos every day. Right, right. You know, I'm from South Texas, as I've mentioned before. And, um, you know, we don't have bread in the middle of the table. We have tortillas, tortillas at, right. at the meal. So whatever you're eating... Is a taco? Is a taco. Yeah. Like, you can put it in a... But I didn't grow up thinking of tacos that way. I just thought, oh, there's tortillas at the table. And, you know, there's food on my plate. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of rip off a piece and grab some food or you put some in the tortilla and, and you're eating it but those weren't tacos to me to me because also you know being immersed in american culture right um tacos were what i what i saw on tv right wow okay and tacos were 
crispy tacos. You right. know, the the what what everybody thinks of Taco Bueno, you know. Yeah. So I'll say that that I'm eating I chose to go with a Taco Bell. Perfect. I because, love that you went And I know I know some of you might be going like formative taco experience, Taco Bell. I'll tell you why. This is why. Um I'm try I tried really hard this week to remember there was a Taco Bell in my hometown. Um and there wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I I, I racked my brain and I don't remember there being a Taco Bell. So I didn't have Taco Bell until I left Laredo, until I went to college in College Station. Um, wow. Yeah, to A&M. And um, it was a, you know, growing up, you went on field trips and, and what your mother made for you, you wanted something exotic. Right. Right, which was not tacos. Right, right, so right. So to me, the exotic thing was like, I would like a bologna sandwich on white bread and mayonnaise. Sure. You know? like, <laughs> right. That was a treat. Right. Um, especially if the bologna was fried or something like that. Um, so I didn't have... I didn't have American tacos. My mother would make them at home, but it's hard work because you got to fry up the tortilla. Yeah, and why would you? you know, why yeah. would you do that? And and um, so she would make them once in a while, not when it was too hot because she didn't want to stand over the stove. Right. Um, but to me, they still weren't American tacos. Right. You know. So when I had ta- Taco Bell the first time, I was like, oh, I mean. This is weird and doesn't taste anything, anything like, like what I you're used to eating. It was gonna taste like, or like what I'm used to eating, right? And it kind of, um, it kind of, uh, op- you know, it changed my perception of how I grew up, which happens when you leave home all the of time, course. you know. And I, I immediately was like, okay, Taco Bell is great when you're poor in college and absolutely you're drunk after sure. a night of as is Taco clubbing. Bueno, yeah, right. Um, and all you have is $3 so you can get like 15 tacos or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but, uh, I, I became more appreciative of, of the tacos I grew up I, that, eating. Yeah. That makes know? a lot of sense. And so I haven't had Taco Bell in years because why? Why? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird. I, um, I went to the drive through mm-hmm. at Bueno today Yeah, and I, I was like, I can't. I honestly can't remember the last time I got a drive-through taco. Right. Because we have so many, and again, I love Taco Bueno, but we have so many like really, really great, great taco, taco places, places around he, around here. Yeah. Um, you know, I go, I'll go to a truck to get tacos sure. before I go to a drive-through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I drove up to the to the Taco Bell drive-through thing, and I was like, I wonder if they even still have the classic. The taco Supreme that you wanted that I wanted right because now everything's like in a Dorito taco shell <laughs> right. or you know, some so bullshit they've lost like their the one minds. they've lost their minds yeah. or like the ones that are it's a, a crispy a corn tortilla taco wrapped in a flour yeah. tortilla yeah like yes. what are why? you that is just that's why you know other countries hate us yes um so yeah and I had the classic taco supreme with a kind of meat <laughs> <laughs> Something I don't know uh, with lettuce and tomato, and uh, it doesn't taste like any kind of meat I've ever had at home. Um, and cheese, shredded yellow cheese. Um, I won't even call it cheddar. It's just yellow cheese, yellow colored, and the the gobs of sour cream, yeah. which also 
the sour cream that you get at Taco Bell, and I imagine at Taco Bueno, sure. um, it's very different from the sour cream you get in an actual, actual taco, taco place, place or, yeah. you know, back home. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah, very, very different, but also so delicious. Yeah. Um, in, a, in, in a way that, that is not like actually eating tacos. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's its own thing. It's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of love that we both went with fast food mm-hmm. because... Yeah. At the end of the day, like, this yeah. is how we grew up, you know? Or... I love that you said that you would go hang out at the Taco Bueno. Parking lot? Yeah, parking lot. Because for us, it was the McDonald's. The McDonald's? Yeah. Because, oh, okay. you know, McDonald's, again, McDo- I mean, we had all kinds of fast food places, but, but we, it, we didn't have, like, Mex- like Tex-Mex It makes fast sense food that you wouldn't, I no, think. No, what like, for? They I, would, mean, I don't think they would do well. They would not. Right. And <laughs> I don't even, I don't remember seeing a Taco Bell last time I went to Laredo. Yeah, it just seems like they would... Disgusting. Yeah, like people would be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. It's like someone told me, like, when, you know, American pizza places try to um, get a foothold in, like, Italy... That it's come uh, on it's now. like come on, y'all. Come on uh, now. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we all of our companies are well fuck. That's right. a whole other No, I know. <clears throat> um yeah, like I, I can't imagine like a super China buffet in Beijing. Right. <laughs> right. You know? right, yeah. It would be very strange. That, that would be really, really strange. Um, but I do I like again, I don't eat I can't remember the last time I ate Taco Bueno. I still love it. Clearly it was delicious. And it really did it, it was it's a, nostalgic. It was a, yeah, it's a huge part. Yeah, you know, it took me back to a time when I was very drunk in a club at a gay bar in Houston. <laughs> Perfect. And I scoured my roommate's car for change and came up with three dollars and change, and we ate. Yeah, like like a legit like king. Oh my god! Even today, yeah, I got a good amount of food. It cost me five bucks. Yeah, this was like five dollars. I got two tacos. And a shit ton of sauce. Yeah, it's legit, man. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Great. All so right. Those so, are our taco experiences, formative taco experiences. So what are our formative horror movie experiences? You want to go first? Sure. And again, just to like reiterate, we, we really tried to stick with stuff that we saw when when we were young, when we yeah. were real, when, when we were kids. Yeah, so we're, we're just a disclaimer, you know... It's their formative movies are like too many to mention, right? Yes. And there are some big ones that we share, right? That are just big in and of themselves. So we're not going to talk about super obvious ones. Yeah, like the The Shining's not right. going to pop the, up today, right? Or, yeah. or anything like that. Um. So my first one is uh, something wicked this way comes. Yes. Which came out, um, and I, I just rewatched it last night. Came out in '83, mm-hmm. so I was uh, it was in the summer of '83. I was seven years old. Um, this is Ray Bradbury wrote the screenplay based on his own novel, which I thought was cool. I did yeah. not um, remember that he actually wrote the screenplay. Uh, it is a you know carnival comes to town. Yes. Um, Jonathan Price plays Dark. Uh, oh, Mister Dark. Mister Dark, the leader of the carnival. He is mm-hmm. he's still fucking terrifying. Um, the thing I remember. I have forgotten so many things in my life, like probably important things, you know? I still remember, I will never forget, I saw this movie in the theater with my family, because it was a Disney movie, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was seven years old, and we went, and I remember to this day, 
at one point during Something Wicked This Way Comes at seven years old, pretending I had to go to the bathroom <laughs> because I was so scared. And did you go alone? Uh, I went out into the bathroom, yes, alone. And just sort of, I didn't actually go, I just sort of hung out in the lobby. Oh, wow. And like collected my seven-year-old <laughs> self and then went back in. That's how much this movie, I guess, scared me when I was yeah. a kid. I still remember that. And then rewatching it last night, I mean, it holds up to me. Um, you know, the, obviously, you got to look past the effects and all that stuff. Right. But Price is incredible. and right. um, The kid actors are the great. Kid are, the kids are good. And Jason Robards. Oh, and yeah, man. Pam Greer. Come I, on. Yeah, this is a great cast. It also jumped out like, I don't, like, I, I don't know. I don't have, I mean, I don't have kids and your kids are grown. Mm-hmm. I feel like kids' movies are not this anymore. No. Maybe I'm misinformed. But, I don't know. I don't but, think you could make this for kids. Yeah. There's some fucked up shit in it. Yeah. Um, and even last night, like, the the way they deal with death and talk about death, and even the relationship between the lead kid and Robards is the fact that he's this older father mm-hmm. who has a little kid and, like, knows he's not going to be there. Like, it's it's kind right. of intense. Right. The way they deal with the the, the neighbor kid uh, and his mom. Yes. He's a single mom. And, and it's kind of like... like question, she's kind yeah. of like the floozy they, of the Yes, town. I was going to say, she's totally the... They would call her a floozy. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is in a, in a kid's movie. Yes. And the kids, at one point at the carnival, peer in and see, like, right. the, the sexy belly dancing. But they're, uh-huh. like, stripping a dude down. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just think the nature of it, I just think kids' movies were different. Um, I had one quote that, that I'm going to apply to this, if uh-huh. that's cool. Yeah. Um, it was, hold on, let me see. Oh, another thing, if you don't know, um, Pam Greer is badass yeah. and doesn't even have to talk to be badass. She's fantastic. I had forgotten. I think she's like, you know, Pam Greer, who's like a famous... I guess you would say B-movie actress yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But she's and underrated. Of, I agree. And Tarantino yeah. sort of brought her back. But yeah. um, I shouldn't say brought her back. But sort of reintroduced yeah, yeah. her to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I forgot she was in it. And Aspen was like, dude, that's Pam Greer. I was like, no. And I was like, oh my yeah. God, she's so badass. Yeah. Uh, so I, just, I got this one quote. It says, um, this is from uh, Greg Ruth, who wrote a, an article called Why Horror is Good for You and Even Better for Your Kids. Yeah. And he says, plainly put, horror provides a playground in which kids can dance with their fears in a safe way that can teach them how to survive monsters and be powerful too. Horror for kids lets them not only read or see these terrible beasts, but also see themselves in the story's protagonists. The hero's victory is their victory. It's true. And that, to me, was, it's a great quote from from Greg Ruth. Um, That is, was this movie for me as a kid. Yeah. That I... Granted, I had to step out into the lobby for a minute, sure. but I came back. But you in, came back, and, and it's it's really. I mean, it's Ray Bradbury. Yeah. So you're not watching a piece of trash. Mm-mm. No, it's really well written. You know what? My kid, when my kids were little, we had one rule in our house, um, and that was uh, my kids were brought up watching Buffy. I would. Oh, yeah. I would let my kids watch Buffy before I would let them watch Barney. Good for you. And this is why you're a good mom. I we, mean, no, we had one rule in the house, and the rule. Was you can watch anything you want, as long as the writing is good. That's great. That's and, a great rule. And we stuck to it. We stuck to it. And uh, you know, I was always there to explain to them what was going on. So we didn't. I just didn't put my kids in front of the TV and allowed right. them to watch horror movies. But 
we watched them together and if they had questions I was there and if and if the writing was bad I didn't let them watch that's it that's good and what happened what ended up happening as that as they got older and they began to make their own choices mm-hmm. um they started to reject stuff that, that was, was poorly, poorly written. written yeah that's like, great I just wouldn't you know they would want they would want to watch uh I'm sorry family guy people out there but they'd want to watch family guy and I was like nope you're not gonna watch family guy <laughs> Um, you're not. You can watch The Simpsons. You can watch South Park. But you're not going to watch Family Guy. And then as they got older and chose to watch Family Guy, and I couldn't control them anymore. Right. Um, them on their, they, they on their own were like, it's okay. It's yeah. funny, but it's not as it's good as old as school Simpsons. Simpsons you know? or old school South Park, so, yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, well, I, yeah. So I want to ask you a question about this, though, because yes. you said something to me last night. You you uh, you posted on my Facebook page that you were watching it, and you said, this movie has had more of an influence <laughs> on me than I thought. Yeah. So this, has, this movie has permeated your writing. Yes, and that was a strange moment. I mean, I think I probably recognized it a little <clears throat> when I was writing, um, uh, you know, there's a, a play I wrote, and, and uh, whatever, and... Um, but yeah, watching, seeing Mr. Dark, seeing Jonathan Price is like, oh my God. And even the carnival itself right. was like, this has had a, a sort of, I guess, subconsciously a huge impact on me as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, that is, I mean, there's nothing more formative than that, you yeah. know, in my mind. Um, and yeah, it was like, it was like, oh my, oh my God. It's almost like you, I stole Without even knowing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, <clears throat> I was so little when I saw it, and it's just obviously these images have stuck with me. Right. I also, watching it last night, caught, like, clearly King references it in um, Absolutely. Needful Things. Needful Things. And even in It, because mm-hmm. this carnival goes away for decades and right. then comes back. And it right. was, like, sort of the... Yeah, so... Um, right. I what, what, You had an amazing quote. What was your quote about King and Bradbury? Oh, I said, I said that Stephen King to me was always like Ray Bradbury on cocaine. Yes. Um, sometimes in a real in the best way, and sometimes <laughs> cocaine that's been cut with PCP and baking powder. Right. Not always so good, but right. I don't know anything about cocaine. Um, or PCP. Or PCP. I don't know anything about those things. Uh, anyway, great. But yeah, cool. So what's up for you? For oh, the, oh, my first one? So that was Something Wicked This Way Comes, yeah, 1983. Yeah. Disney, yeah. check it out. Um, so my first one is a movie called Burnt Offerings. Hell yes. Uh, it's 1976. It stars, uh, listen to this cast, man. It's Karen Black, oh, Oliver Reed, wow. Betty Davis, Eileen Heckert, Burgess Meredith. Damn. Yeah, man. And this movie, yeah, like I said, it's 1976. Uh, so I was seven years old. And when, when my sister and my brother-in-law took me to see it, and I think I've told you this before, like the first two movies that I saw in the theater <laughs> as a child were Walt Disney's Cinderella. Okay. And then that was the first one. And then I think the following week, I saw Burnt, Burnt Offerings. Offerings. And these, wow, that's... These, those two movies like formed my entire aesthetic That's for the it. rest yeah. of my life. So if you don't know Burnt Offerings, it's about a family that uh, uh, rents a, a home in the country for the summer to kind of, um, I don't know, you, you get the idea that the husband is having trouble writing or, yeah. or something, or they just want to spend some time in the country, and it's the husband and the wife uh, and their uh, 11-year-old son 
and an elderly aunt played by Betty, Betty Davis. Davis. Um, and uh, they, they find this house and it's a steal. It's like $900 for the whole summer. It's a little rundown, uh, but the wife falls in love with it and they agree to stay there. And they talk to the two, the, 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 the Allardyces, the brother and sister who live in the house. And, and uh, you know, they say the house takes care of itself. Our mother lives on the third floor. You'll never see her, blah, right. blah, blah. And you, you come to find out, basically, that the house is alive in a way. And um, when it gets run down, it needs new life. Yes. And so... The, they, they invite people or they rent the house to people and, and, and then these people die there. And the and, house, and is, the reborn. house is reborn yeah. beautifully. Um, and there's just, you know, re-watching it, and I've seen it lots and lots of times, but re-watching it the other day kind of with a lens of like, okay, why, why was this formative for me? Why was this important for me? A lot of the stuff is not... It's not super scary, right? You know, but I was seven years old. Yeah, I mean and, that's a whole and, different thing. And you know, thing. the idea that a house would be alive, mm -hmm. you know. Also, there's a there's a great scene where um, they're cleaning out the pool. Um, the father, Oliver Reed, and the son, and they're like they're trying to get the pool ready so that they can swim in it, and they finally do. And Oliver Reed dives into the pool and finds an old pair of glasses, like broken glasses. And he's like, what are these glasses? Right. And he puts them on and there's a change. Like there's an immediate change. And uh, and then the little boy jumps in the pool and and Oliver Reed tries to drown his son. And, and so, I don't know, being a seven-year-old kid and watching this scene with like he, a, a, a father... Who, 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 from one minute to the next decides I'm gonna kill you, kill you like yeah. loses control. Um, I, I would, I don't know, was very, very impressive to me. And so there's lots of like little haunty things like that. By the end of the movie, you know, we see Karen Black. She says, I will be the only one that, that visits Mrs. Allardyce. I, nobody go up to her room. I'm the only one. And she keeps going up there, and we never meet Mrs. Allardyce. We never meet her. Uh, until the very end when we realize that Karen Black has become Come. Mrs. That's Allardyce. Right. So you kind of get this feeling like the, the, the house is their mother. These mm. two weirdo brother and sisters. Right. <laughs> like the house is alive. Yeah. So when they talk about mother, they're, they're talking, talking about, about the, the house. house. Yeah. And it's just creepy as shit. And, and uh, Betty Davis is, is wonderful in it. That, uh, that was my... Um, I, that is my introduction to Betty Davis. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I, I didn't see it, obviously, when it when you saw it. I think right. Because we're, we're a little... I'm you, a I don't think years. you were born yet. I was, you uh, might have been a baby. It came out in when? 76. Yeah, so I was like one or... Yeah. yeah I was born in 75. But, uh, so that was... That's how I... That's how I knew of Betty, Betty Davis for years. Yeah, and she's clearly like in her late 60s or something like that, but yeah. still doing the work. Oh, yeah, She's yeah. incredible in this film. Um, that and the, what is it, who's the, the, Betty, the song she's got Betty Davis eyes? Oh, uh, 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 Kim, Kim Carnes. Carnes, yeah. Kim Carnes. Um, but yeah, so I, I, in my mind, she was sort of the creepy old lady. I didn't know of her until later of like, oh, God, well, she was this sort of, yeah. World-class star. Yeah, incredible actress yeah. who just wanted to work, man. So by the time she gets to the 70s in her career, she was, you know, she made a lot of, like, terrible movies, 
Uh, she also made Escape from Witch Mountain, which is not terrible, and at some point we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah, which almost was on my list as right, well. Right, <laughs> I know, me too. So anyway, that's... Uh, oh, but I have to say that there's a, there's a scene at the very end of the... So everything up until then is just kind of creepy and haunty, and weird things are happening, and the little boy cuts himself, and flowers bloom in the oh, house. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Or there's the, you know, at one point after the aunt has died, after Betty Davis's character has died... The, 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 what, what do you call the, 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 the ceiling or the roof tiles are regenerating by themselves. It was just that's, weird. That's right. But in the, in the big, in the big scene, when they're finally decided, I'm leaving, we're, we're, getting, get we're out, finally getting get out. fuck out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, Karen Black decides to go back in just to say goodbye to the mother and she's taking too long and Oliver Reed goes up there and he discovers, oh shit, She's actually turned into the mom. She's this creepy old lady now. And it cuts to the outside of the house. And Oliver Reed comes flying out of the attic window. And the little boy is waiting in the car for his parents. And he lands face first in the windshield. That's right. And his eyes are like bulging out of his head. And the kid just kind of like... That's fucked up. Screams, runs out of the car. And the fireplace, the chimney, falls on top of the little boy and he dies. And that's like the I totally end forgot of that. The movie. It's insane. So yeah, I saw that when I was seven. Seven? That explains a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, that's that's badass. I I've I've not. I don't think I've seen this as many times as you. Mm-hmm. I think I've only seen Bird Offerings probably two times. Uh, I've I forgot that the kid gets it. Yeah, man, they all get it. That's they crazy. All die, except for Karen Black. But she's I, become she, this yeah, other she thing, becomes, right? She's become the mom. And the last thing you see, the last shot is. Uh, portraits of the dad the aunt and the little boy like on this piano there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of portraits of people dating back to victorian times that's right and they're all like memento mori pictures yes and so it's like i guess all of the people that have died Died in 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 service of the house house. it's crazy yeah directed by dan curtis who also Directed a lot of like Night Stalker and Night Gallery. And oh, cool! Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. And Trilogy of Terror. And, and it's like one of at least for me. And I know, I know the sort of we talk about it. I think even last week or during session when we were talking about session nine, um, the sort of like we're going, we're going to the country home trope, you know, yeah. where we got to get this house in the country. Um, I know that's been around from even much forever. earlier, forever. But that's one of Burn Offerings was one of the first times I sort of saw that um, right. trope. It was Burn Offerings and then Amityville Horror mm-hmm. uh, for me. We're moving to this place yeah. for whatever reason, and you're like, "But I don't know. This, right. this I don't this think this is a good idea. This doesn't look good. This doesn't look good." Um, yeah, I you know, sidetrack a little bit. the the first The first season of American Horror Story, which is the haunted house yeah. one, right? And you see the whole season of this wonderful, nice white family uh-huh. and, and all these things are happening and they don't pay attention to them. Like they right. just keep living in the house until it's too late. Too late. In the very final episode, uh, a, a Latino family buys the house from them. Same thing. Right. Daughter, father, yeah, mother. They're the same, same nuclear si- family. Yeah. The first sign of a ghost that Latino family's in their car and, they and they're the fuck leaving. That's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> I loved it. And that is still... True. My the season I enjoy most. Yeah, and we need it. We'll talk about we talk yeah. about that a lot. The arrogance of and I say this as a white dude. The arrogance of white people in horror movies is <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, it's not much. Nothing's gonna happen to us. Nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, we're to fucking us. white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. That's so great. Cool. what's what's your second so number one? two? Um, 
a lot of people probably don't necessarily consider this a horror movie. Uh, it's Gremlins for me. I uh, love Gremlins. I, I, again, I was eight when I saw Gremlins in the wow. theater. Yeah. Um, it uh, came out in 84, in the summer of 84, so I had not turned nine yet. Um, this, this is, is Joe Dante, right? Yes. Yeah. And produced by Spielberg, I of think. Course. Um, man, it's got some dark shit. Even yeah. before... <clears throat> Even before we sort of get into the gremlin aspect of it, mm -hmm. there's some some darkness. Um, I just remember being uh, terrified of like how they tortured Gizmo uh -huh. um, and things like that. And this is I, I was looking into it. This is oddly this is one month. It came out of, in July of '84. August of '84 is when PG-13 was introduced. Uh huh. And so, oh, Gremlins is is PG, and I I wonder if it had been a, a year later if it had would have been PG thirteen because even in, so. in revisiting it's like it's it's kind of violent and scary and aggressive yeah, man. and like, like don't some of those like evil gremlins carry knives yeah oh yeah. Like yeah 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 and they put one in a blender and and um, you know. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you have this, like, story of um, the dad that, uh, you know, slipped in the chimney while being, pretending to be Santa Claus and dying. Like, there's some weird right. shit. Um, but, yeah, and I remember, again, another movie I remember seeing in the theater. Saw it with my parents. Um, I'll actually never forget. Like, I got really freaked out um, walking out. And I, I wasn't crying, but I was, like, clearly visibly shaken. And this teenager made fun of me, and my father almost fucking killed me. What did kid. this kid say? I just sort what of like, hey, yeah, came up and said something shitty and laughed at me for clearly being like scared. scared. And my, look, I grew up in Plano. My dad did not grow up in Plano. <laughs> like, my dad grew up in a really poor neighborhood in South Philadelphia. And if not for my mom, I'm pretty sure he would have killed that kid wow so it's uh kind of like a yeah, huge man. kind of a big moment but um going back now gremlins is sort of funny and all these things but yeah when i first right. saw it i was i was really scared yeah yeah i, I remember seeing I, I must have been a teenager i must have been a teenager or a preteen when i saw it and uh yeah, those the, the 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 after they get they you know after they turn into the monsters when you feed them after midnight. Right. They just they just made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. It was it was really really uncomfortable and I it it upset me. It upset me and and I didn't include this other movie in my top ones, but there's a movie that I saw when I was very little called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, where and it involves little creatures that yes. live in a house and they're weird and so the gremlins reminded me too much of, of that. that yeah and so i could never no i, I there and and they and they set up i mean gizmo the you know the mogwai is this <laughs> perfect little adorable cute amazing thing that you would love to have right and they just fucking torture him yeah and it's it's man it's as terrible. a kid you're like what the fuck yeah why would you do that yeah yeah. So, um, Gremlins, 1984, they, they have, there have been rumors about a reboot or a whatever, um, a revisit of this movie for years and years and years, and it still has not materialized, and I kind of hope it never does. I kind of hope it doesn't either. There's something about, you know, we were talking about this the other day, that surely they would be using a lot of CGI. Yeah. 
And uh, CGI just doesn't... I don't think CGI would do it for me. No. For Gremlins. No, I agree. Part of the great thing about Gremlins is the, the creature yes. stuff. Yeah, um, I have another one on my list that's that yeah. as well. Like, yeah. And you know they would. They would. The only, <clears throat> the only director, I think, who's not doing that right now is... Uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, he still tries to use as much practical practical effects as he can. Like that. Yeah. Um, cool. cool. So what's number two on yours? Number two for me. Okay, I'm gonna go way back here. This is a movie that was made before I was even born. Okay. Uh, this is uh, the horror of Dracula. So, oh, nice. Yeah, is this Chris Lee? It's Christopher Lee. It's his first time playing Dracula. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Hammer Hammer Horror, there's a there's a you know, uh, uh, Hammer Studios from England uh, was really really big in the late '50s, all through the '60s, all through the '70s, and basically they made B horror movies, yeah. you know, and um, like a very specific style, a very specific style that that has completely informed my aesthetic even when I direct on stage. So absolutely formative. Oh, absolutely formative for me. So I know that there's a word for it that I've never... I I can't remember it, but a word does exist for it when a a movie or a... It's basically for movies. When a movie is, is a period film and it takes place, like, say, in the 19th century, so it looks 19th century... But it's also very much a part of the time when it was, when it was made. made. So it's like a weird mashup of like late 50s, early 60s beauty aesthetic with the, the look of, of the, the 19th, 19th century. century. And so, yeah, like if you if if you ask me like what what is your beauty aesthetic, whatever, I would I I'm totally like lots of black eyeliner. Right. And like a lot of cleavage and the big bump in the hair. Yeah. Like to me, those are the most beautiful. And that was like and Hammer that, Films. That to was the Hammer tea. Film Vixens. You know, yeah. Carolyn Monroe and Ingrid Pitt and all those women who like, you know, all the cleavage and, and, yeah. and the, the, the black, you know, coal, smoky eyes and, and kind of teased hair to me is incredible. And this is, and Christopher Lee Christ- ended up playing. Playing this part many times, yeah, right? Yeah, he played it lots of times. And, you know, one of the things that I, I love, it's so Christopher Lee plays Dracula, Peter Cushing plays um, Van Helsing, and um, Michael Goh, who, who's Alfred in, like, the old Batman. Oh, wow. Plays one of uh, the, it's not Dr. Seward in, in this movie, it's Dr. Homeward. Okay. Well, sure. Yeah. You Why know, not? Like, they just, they took these stories and made, <laughs> made them, them what, yeah. what they needed to be. So it doesn't follow Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right. It only follows it in a, at a very, very basic level. Um They've taken the storyline and, and, and turned it into something else. But the one thing that I do, that I do love about uh, uh, the Hammer Dracula and Chris Lee's Dracula in particular is that he's not seductive. You know, he's not. Okay, he's not. And I mean, I love Gary Oldman as Dracula. Sure. I well, yes. Totally, I mean, we'll have a whole. Yeah, we'll, we'll have, have a whole, whole night on that. We'll invite my wife, that. and you guys oh, can just talk. But I love that. But even Gary Oldman's Dracula is also terrifying. Yes. Chris Lee's Dracula is straight up a monster. Cool. Like, he's not there to seduce you. 
he's not there to to gently coax you into, into the darkness. Into, no, he just takes you cool. into the darkness. So even in the scenes where Mina or Lucy are kind of like, yeah, and they're undoing their their collar, right? So that he, I mean, he is not gentle at all he is or, or seductive he's a monster cool and the look on his face is just like yeah i'm here i'm biting your neck there's this is no- what's happening this is what's happening and there's nothing you can do about it no mercy That's, right yeah. which is the way i think vampires ought to be yes you know i like monsters to be monsters yeah right? and, and 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 you know because you're the the women in the film are, are still seduced by, by it, it but you know, I don't know. It just says something to me about like, yeah, yeah. There, there is, there is a time, and I guess in 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 some, I know definitely for me, and maybe Dracula was formative in that, but where you are just attracted to the bad guy, sure. You know? And I just feel, I feel like Dracula in and of itself is is more commentary on female sexuality than anything else. Yes. We can get into that, that later. Yeah. But anyway. The, the horror of Dracula, 1958, Christopher Lee, the colors are super, 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 the blood is like orange. Orange, yeah. You know? And the effects are terrible, and the acting is sometimes super over the top. Right. Like, Michael Gao is like in a different movie than <laughs> Christopher Lee and, 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 Peter and Peter Cushing. And uh, the women have a lot of cleavage and are wearing a lot of eyeliner. That's great. And... Um, yeah, it's 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 cheesy. It's not scary at all, but it's like high style. Wow. Well, you know? and I I read recently that the so they're making the nun now, mm-hmm. which is like the new Conjuring universe movie. Right. So yeah, it's yeah. like they did the Conjuring movies, and then they have the Annabelle movies, yeah. and now they're introducing the nun, yeah. who was a character in the Conjuring too. Right. Um, but the director of the nun specifically stated that he is like paying homage to the Hammer films. Oh, so many directors do. If you have Sleepy Hollow, oh, yeah. Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow plays. I mean, that movie is just a Valentine to, to Hammer that, Horror. Yeah. You know, these are movies that with more money. Yeah, with more money. Yeah, way more money. Um, Sound stages, you know, that everything is filmed on a sound stage, and the forests are clearly, clearly not yeah. real forests, and and uh, it's it's fantasy, it's just complete fantasy, and and super saturated colors, and also like these are the movies that would come on when I was really little on Saturday afternoons for like the creature feature or yeah. the screaming memes. I remember we used to get when back home we used to get the channel from San Antonio. Okay. Um, because it's like about 150 miles away from my hometown, and um, the San Antonio channel had something every Saturday afternoon called the the, the screaming memes. I don't know why they call okay. it. Okay, <laughs> cool. But, I would hurry up and do my chores so you could watch so that, that I could watch the horror movies and my brother my brother who was a huge fan of horror film and you know he's my brother's 6 years older than I am um and you know I idolized everything that my brother loved and he clearly hated me I hope he's listening to this because <laughs> I know you hated me uh, so he loved Chris Lee so I loved Chris Lee but then I really loved Chris Lee yeah you know and 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 Christopher Lee is I mean he's awesome he's incredible I mean the man played Dracula he also played Lord Summerisle in The Wicker Man he was in fucking he's what he's Sauron 
Yeah, in he, in, in, in uh, um, Lord of the Rings, or, uh, Saruman. So, Saruman, yeah. yeah. And he was. I, I mean, I think he He's was in Star Wars. Yeah, he he recorded a heavy metal. Yes. Album. And he was like everything. a soldier in real life. Like, yeah, yeah he was incredible. Yeah, he did everything. And he was like, I think, close to 90 or in his 90s mm-hmm. when he was doing... Uh, yeah, he's a Bond villain. Yeah, he's a, he has the greatest voice ever. Yeah. And I love Cushing, too, who was also... In Star Wars. In Star Wars, and then bizarrely CGI resurrected in Rogue Crazy. One. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh, very uncomfortable. As much as I like Rogue One, it's still... Yeah, and I was like, it's weird because he like spent his life playing Van Helsing, trying to kill the undead, and, and then now, now he's, he's like, the I just, like, have a real problem with this. That's crazy. Um... Cool. Awesome. I need to rewatch that. It's been a long time. Yeah, man. Um, we can watch it one Saturday afternoon when you feel like laughing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so my third one, uh, I'll jump right in, and it goes almost directly to what you were saying about why you don't like a lot of the CGI stuff. My third one is Aliens. Oh, man. Um, it came out in 1986. Yes. This is a huge, hugely important. I, I also should state, I had not seen Alien when I saw Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in 86 this summer, so I was... Not I was ten when I saw it. This yeah. is the first rated R movie I ever saw in a theater. Oh wow! Uh, my brother and I were visiting our friends in Houston, and they had like they had he had like a counterpart, and I had a counterpart. So it's like my brother right. and his friend were fifteen, and then me right. and my friend were ten. Right. And they sent us all off to the movies, and we were gonna go see whatever. I don't remember. And as soon as we get in, my brother and the older kid mm-hmm. we're like uh we're seeing aliens you can be babies basically i'm sure they, <laughs> sure they did not say babies but basically like you can go be wusses and see this other movie we were gonna see or you can come sneak into aliens with us right and we were like of course we're gonna go see aliens with our older brothers um i i know some people will be like it's a sci-fi action movie i still think it functions as a horror movie i totally do i just I, I rewatched agree. it i agree um, I think ultimately now that I'm older, I think Alien is the better movie, mm-hmm. but I still, there is something about Aliens that is just, I think, still terrifying. It makes me, uh, I'm in awe of, of Stan Winston. Um, I just saw Alien Covenant right. last week. Right. Um, I watched it in the hotel when I was out of town. And then going back and watching Aliens after having just watched Alien Covenant and seeing and this is not a question of age because this still works. How much more effective and terrifying Winston's like physical creations uh-huh. are than this CGI bullshit in right. Covenant, right. where the alien—it just look. There's a really skilled CGI guys and women. Sure. I'm not that they do their job well. Mm-hmm. There's something so unnatural. I, I you I, can you, you can, can tell, it. and it's just not. There's no texture to it there's no viscera there's no to life it behind there's it. no life behind it um and i mean we just aspen and i just sat down and rewatched aliens it that part of it effects wise some of the other like flying shit and of right. course computers in the eight future computers in the 80s hadn't that's the one thing no one could foresee <laughs> yeah because exactly. they're still just like except, my dust matrix gene roddenberry <laughs> except gene roddenberry who was like story. 40 years ahead of the right. game um, but the, the, the creature part of it more than holds up. It's still terrifying. Right. Um, and I was scared as shit sitting yeah. in the theater watching it. And, um, also to this day, I think it's, uh, I mean, I, to me, Ripley is, is one of the most, uh, 
compelling of, yeah characters uh, and final girls yeah yeah and and is I think was actually sort of um, important speaking of formative years even for me at a young age recognizing um, uh, that I not all protagonists need to be. 14 year old boys right um you know that i can even right. as a even as a, a young boy i can relate to this right. badass lady and even like even that trope has developed over the years in horror movies you know like and when we get when we start talking about slashers we'll cover it more yeah but you know what what the the ingredients that make a final, final girl, girl. Yeah. Have, have evolved yes. and changed over the years and I think Ripley is one of the ones that was kind of like yeah uh, took a step a huge step forward, forward. Um, and even going like looking at it it's, it's amazing how how she balances like being this just badass and in Aliens Alien is very different it's a quieter movie and all that in Alien she's a Aliens the sequel mm-hmm. she's like a badass action star by the end I mean right. full on just fucking badass action right. star but like she's still doing it to she's still very motherly right. in, in the film and her final battle is with the queen alien who is also in her own creepy scary terrifying alien way trying to protect her children her children as well. yeah um but yeah, I mean, my first, my first cat that I ever owned was named Newt, after <laughs> because she she mostly came out at night, mostly. Um, so like that's this movie is is, is still wildly important. And I oh, like I said, just great. went back, watched it. Um, it's great. You should you should watch it. Odd connection that I didn't know. Something wicked this way comes and aliens both scored by James Horner. Oh wow! And uh, both scores are awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, I love that movie. I, I do. I will go back, and I do consider Alien and 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 Aliens, and not all, but but those two as as horror horror movies. Horror yeah, movies. after after the second one, right? The, the series goes it you know goes it takes, in a different it, it takes direction. Some turns, yeah. Um. So some an, another thing, if in case you're not aware, the creature, uh, it there, well, the 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 inspiration or the person who who, oh, who yeah. designed it. And then it was it was actualized or realized yeah. by Stan Winston and his people, right? Yeah, Stan Winston, in Aliens. In yes. Aliens uh, is an artist yeah. named H. Uh, R. Geiger yeah. or Geiger. I've always um, said Geiger, and then I heard Geiger. I, I yeah, don't know which is he's right. He's German. I don't know, but there's <laughs> and terrifying. And terrifying. There's a great uh, documentary on Netflix about him, and he's a dark, dark dude. Or he, he had, was. He's dead now. But had some some strange relationships with his mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but be- some beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a, a an older broody teenager, mm-hmm. you know, I had lots Get of, some of that on the yeah. lots of geegers in my in my room yeah. because I was sophisticated and scary. Absolutely, and and that and you can even see in in the in the further movies, his 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 um, hand. Is still in there. Yeah, it's just to me the way Winston and his obviously his huge team absolutely were able to execute it um, is incredible. Is incredible. And, yeah, and it has never touched that again as yeah. far as I'm concerned. No, it's wonderful. All right, guys, we're gonna take a break here. We're gonna split this bad boy up into two episodes because we have so many formative films. So uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back in a bit. Hi, where Jim John make noise? 